Kreusel. It's Friday, it's Pod O'Clock, and it's Dragonheart. With the National League announcing that the English-based clubs will all be allowed to play games in front of their own fans in the crucial run-in matches. The Welsh Government has come up trumps for Wrexham. It's announced nine test events with spectators in it. In South Wales. Nothing in Mid Wales. Nothing in North Wales. But don't worry, culture fans. If you fancy a trip to the theatre, just pop in your car down to Brecon. Admittedly, a day later, the Welsh Government did announce that if we get a home playoff, we will be allowed to let some fans in. Other imaginary test events coming up include the Arley Foreman rematch in the Real Sun Centre and Frank Sinatra's big comeback in the Abermurvy Superdome. So thank you, Cardiff, for officially promoting North and Mid Wales to the status of an afterthought. We'll be looking back on the Yeovil match, talking to Andy Thackeray, a great name from the 80s and 90s who reveals who the Lord Mayor of Wrexham is. Talking about the running and also looking at this issue of fans being allowed into matches in a segment which we recorded before the announcement that there may be fans allowed into the playoffs. So, what are you waiting for? Pop your crash helmet on, pull down your goggles, it's time for Dragonheart. The other side and you're listening to the Dragonheart Radio. Oh, hi, welcome to Dragonheart. I'm Mark Griffiths and hey, he's Jay Long. Hi, Jay. Hi, Mark. How's it going? Yeah, not too bad. I've managed to keep dry. I'm not sure you have. You've been uh, just been experiencing the torrential rain, haven't you? Yeah, hopefully the, the rain can go away this weekend as the game's approaching because mm. I don't think anyone in the National League can afford to have any more postponed games. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, well, we'll be talking about later on uh, where the fans can come back into the grounds. We'll also have a look at the run-ins for the rest of the season. But let's focus first on the fun and games last Saturday. Yeovil, they came, they got on the pitch... They gave up. It was wonderful. It was a, it was a real real walk in the park, wasn't it, really? It was some of the most bizarre football I've seen from a team this season. It was a team that just looked utterly deflated mm. as soon as they conceded the first goal, really, or even conceded yeah. the first few chances. They were just so poor. And I, I, you know, I mean, their form's been terrifically up and down lately, but they just, the way they defended was... At times, quite laughable, wasn't it, really? But having said that, we started to be good enough to put them away, and we, we certainly did. Well, we did, and the worst part about it is that we didn't get um, more than three goals after the first half. Yeah. I, I think I think we could have been four or five up. It was some of the most bizarre football I've ever seen. Yeah. I think it was a mixture of excellent by Wrexham, but also uh, horrendous by Yeovil, like real basic... Mm-hmm defending that we were just basically lobbing the ball over the top and they just weren't winning any headers or anything at all it was really bizarre wasn't it yeah they, I mean you called them out consistently in the first half of the commentary because they changed their shape to match us up 
and they just didn't look comfortable with it at all, did they? The, no. the left-back, Dickinson, he was an experienced player, but he looked much too slow to play centre-back like that, and then Angus had spotted it, and we were constantly dropping balls in behind him, and they were all over the shop, and then the defence, well, I mean, <laughs> they lose a player through injury, uh, Skendy, the makeshift centre-back, steps up into midfield, and then injures himself, comically, and he has to go off. Uh, it was really just, it was farcical, but it, the way they were giving the ball away in their own half, oh, there's so much. I mean, if it wasn't for their keeper, uh, had a cracking game, didn't he? Really, he was, well, look, but it could have been a lot more. I thought their keeper was excellent. He made some fantastic saves, uh, mm. made like a starfish save, as you said, on commentary, like a handball, like Peter Schmeichel diving starfish mm. save, which come off leg of Vassell's header. Um, he, he was really excellent. And they had a couple of good players, like Nerfull as well. He looked mm. pretty good, I thought. And um, Quigley up front, who yeah. I felt quite sorry for because you could tell he was really frustrated because he was holding the ball up really well. But he had no one to give it to, did he? Exactly. He, uh, he's, he must have been thinking, I wish I'd stayed with these guys now. Because <laughs> he yeah. played for us on loan well, a few years ago now. Uh, but there were lots of good performances by us. I mean, our midfield just bossed the game, did they? Young and Davis and, the, and Harris in the first half. Davis was really on fire, wasn't he? Oh, he was excellent. And that, and that free kick was just... Mm. Oh, it was superb, wasn't it? What a strike. And to get it down like that as well. Just you know, he's, he's in. Yeah, he's put in the bottom corner, essentially. Fantastic yeah. goal, that, wasn't it? And, uh, sorry. and for me, there wasn't a bad... There wasn't a bad performance on the pitch, was there? No, not at all. Really, really solid, wasn't it? All the way through, well, better than solid. A nice see Pearson score. Yeah, yeah, that he opened up the mark. But again, mm. I've rewatched it and it just looked too easy. Yeah. Didn't it? There was no one picking him up. He's obviously mm. going to be a target because he's fantastic in the air mm. and we're great at corners. But he just sort of, they just sort of placed it in the middle. Pearson ran and... Mm. Head, it was just way too simple for me. I think Yeovil should be defending them better. Well, I mean, Andy Burrell, I thought, talked through it perfectly in the highlights commentary. And by yeah. the way, what a summariser Andy Burrell is. I love listening to him. But, um, yeah, it was again, I don't want to hang the guy out to dry because there are plenty of other bad performances by Yeovil, but that was Dickinson's man. And just by sort of checking out one way and going the other, Pearson just completely bewildered him, it seemed. He'd lost him <laughs> three-headed. And then it happened again second afternoon and Smith made a, a real a magnificent oh. save. I mean, how the hell he saved that? There was an element he, of him spreading himself, but nonetheless, he still had to flick it up with his wrist. That was a great save. Oh, it was an excellent save. And we were really highly... We, we fought highly of him in the, in the game, didn't we? In the commentary, mm. we spoke highly of him because for him to keep that 3-0 was... Well, could, you could argue it was, it, was de- well, it was definitely man of the match performance for them. But he was one of the better players on the pitch in general because I thought he made some excellent saves. Mm. But if you were a Yeovil fan, and imagine if the crowds are back and you travelled all that way to watch them versus Wrexham and you watched that first half, you'd be leaving after half-time, wouldn't you? Oh, gosh. I think he'd be, he'd have great strength to last that long, I think, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, they were horrific, weren't they? Oh, they, they were just awful. And that, that is it the first or the second goal where... Their defender sort of like comically tripped over, didn't he? <laughs> Clearing the ball, like slipped over, and it landed to Jordan Davis. Who cro- it was? Did he square the ball to Luke Young? Yeah, yeah. He sort of made the recovery and then sort of booted it into his own net again. Yes. Really, didn't he? That that defender. 
it was just bizarre defending, wasn't it? All in all, at the time, I sort of felt a bit sorry for the defender. You know, you're rushing back to try and block it, it yeah. hits you, it goes in. But when you look at it again, I know, I'm not saying he had much time. You know, young, of course, young shooting, he's going to really hit it hard. But all he had to do was just, you don't have to do anything with it except stop it going past you. Just get a block on it. You don't have to take a swing at it with your wrong foot and slice just it in the front corner. Just, yeah, just throw your body at it and make sure it doesn't go in the net. That's, that's your job at that point. Yeah. But he, thankfully for us, he didn't do it. But honestly, I think our two strikers will be really frustrated at themselves. They didn't get any goals for that game. Absolutely. Yeah, strikers thrive on goals, don't they? Um, Omotayo had a couple of good chances that yeah. he couldn't quite force in. Um, uh, you know, I mean, Omotayo brings more to the game than goals, obviously, but yeah, both he and Angus, I think we'll be thinking that was a that was a chance to fill our boots, quite frankly. They both played well, but yeah, yeah. they could have really hurt Yeovil and, and given themselves a bit of a boost in terms of goals. Yeah, I, I'm not saying. Yeah, I'm not saying that they played bad. No. Don't get me wrong. I think I think Goldamateo did was causing them all sorts of problems mm. in physicality and in the air. He, he was just sort of bullying them, wasn't he? And they they could just couldn't cope with your Angus's pace at all. But it's such a shame they just didn't get those goals because mm. it you know in a game like that, strikers should be really hungry for goals, shouldn't they? Exactly. And also, it's interesting actually. I was looking today um, at goals because. If you, if you want to look at strike rates, and this, this might surprise everybody, Adi Yusuf's strike rate for Exeter season is much better than Dior Angus's, which, but it doesn't feel that way. Um, and before, <laughs> before anyone starts thinking, I think we should have kept Yusuf or not had Angus, I don't think that at all. I think Angus has been very good for us. Um, part of the reason it doesn't feel that way is because Angus has played a lot better than Yusuf did. Yusuf was very up and yeah. down. Angus brings something particular to the way that we play, which is important, which Yusuf didn't. And also, I've got, and I've really got to emphasise this, Yusuf had six goals, four of them against teams that are now in the bottom three. And then he got one against Sutton, which, to be honest, we were already 2-0 up and flying at that point. So we, the game was, was won, I think, to all intents and purposes. We won it 4-0. We didn't let a goal in. Whereas Angus's goals have pretty much all come against teams in the playoffs and yeah. have often been important goals at certain points in the game. Opening goals, second goals, you know, goals that, that make an impact on the match. And I think that's another part reason why Angus feels much more effective than Yusuf, even though he scored six goals and Yusuf had, I think, seven starts and Angus has had 20 starts. But and Angus I think feels... The- Dior Angus brought a lot more link brings a lot more to the plate as a footballer mm. than Adi Yusuf. And I think if you watch Kwanway and Dior together, they were, it was a real relationship that was really yeah. blossoming until Kwanway got injured. And I think Dior did initially initially struggle with being the lone striker mm. as well at one point, having no one next to him. And but when when Gold's come in, he's worked really well with that another big target man, hasn't he? And he He's one of them strikers who needs someone with him, but he's got a great work rate. He's got fantastic pace. So, uh, yeah, I think Dior Angus brings a lot more than goals as well, really. And as well, the fact that he's always running in behind gives us something that we didn't have before. So he keeps running in behind. We're able to stretch the play by knocking balls in behind. And that poses problems with centre-backs. Firstly, because they don't like getting turned. Second, and we scored goals like that, haven't we? Angus is getting in behind, going on one on scoring. Um, Also because... 
centre backs maybe feel worried by Angus and might drop off a little more, and that gives more space in midfield. And look at the way our midfield have been scoring goals: Young and Davis. Yeah. Uh, so he he brings a lot in in those respects, I think, doesn't he? So it's a, a change in the nature of the game a bit. So yeah, it's yeah. been crucial for us. And I'm not too bothered if your strikers aren't scoring goals as long as someone in the pitch is. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, you know, yeah. and we've got Luke yeah. Young and Jordan Davis who are yeah. just banging in the goals and scoring great goals. So yeah. I'm really happy with the way our team's played and I was very, very happy with the way we played against Yeovil. Um, so what, what do you think of our defence? We've not really talked much of our defence. They kept the clean sheet. They must have done, didn't they? To be honest, it was, it was yeah. pretty solid. It was quite nice that, apart from having a break at midweek when some of the teams played, uh, our team, we also had a break in the second half on Saturday. You know, the defence were perfectly solid, uh, not really troubled. I mean, Lainton had one good save from a free kick, uh, although... He probably expects to save that much more often than not. Um, and yeah, it was, it was just rock solid, wasn't it, really? The defender but I'd it, like it's to It's another clean sheet. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's 17, I think, yeah. for the season now. That's pretty tasty. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the defender I was going to ask you about is Cameron Green, who, yes. okay, he's, he's started two home games now. He's done really well in both, hasn't he? Yeah, I thought he was. Ex- I thought he was even better against Yeovil, but yeah. you know that was a team that was a lot less. Qu- were, was were, t- were terrible on the day, but again, it was the same sort of criticisms as well of his last game that he come up against a more experienced. A, a, he was the same wing as Nerville, wasn't he? I thought was mm-hmm. who had an excellent game. He he struggled a little bit defensively, which I don't think Jamie record does as much. I think Jay Record's still our best left but left wing back, but I think Cameron Green's a, a fantastic co- um, cover, really. Absolutely. I mean, I've got to say as well that I thought he did better defensively than in the first match. Um, yeah. uh, despite what I was saying in commentary, because throughout in commentary, I, I was sort of suggesting otherwise, but that's because Nerfield started really well. And yeah. he actually faded as the game went on, and I thought that Green... Uh, had him more in his pocket than before. So that was a good yeah. sign, I thought. As he... That, that... Sorry, go on. He, he, he was really good. And, you know, he's a young lad as well. It's it's great that he's getting some experience and maybe we could sign him for another year contracts. I think he, he he looks like he's got some sort of potential, isn't he? He's a academy player. Yeah. Um, and the way he's brought up, he looks it. He looks tidy. He's neat. I like the videos he's put up on social media of him ball juggling during lockdown. You know, <laughs> he's got a bit of skill. Um, yeah, to me, he looks interesting. And I wonder whether he's just a left wing back, to be honest. So, yeah, it was, just, it was a good win. What we needed just to keep the momentum going and, and launch us into these last four games, really, wasn't it, Jay? Yeah, and uh, we've got a lot of tough games coming up as well. Mm. I think, you know... People are saying we're going to smash Dagenham and Redbridge and what, but if you look at their form at the moment, they're playing fantastic. So we just need to focus on ourselves. That was an excellent win. And if we carry on performances like that, I can't see why we can't make it into the playoffs. Absolutely. Well, put the perfect link there because after the break, we'll talk about our run-ins and see what we think our chances are of promotion. I'm Kerry Evans and you're listening to Dragonheart Radio Show. Yeah, so it's going to be a squeaky bum time from now on, I think. Four games uh, for us. Some of the teams have got three. 
to decide who gets into the top seven and the playoffs. And, well, on Tuesday, we dropped out of the top seven to ninth because of results elsewhere. But I've got to say, Jay, that, that really doesn't worry me all that much because I'd looked through all the fixtures coming up and I knew that the teams around us had quite easy-looking fixtures. I, I didn't mm. expect any of them to drop points. Uh, so I don't feel too concerned by that, really. I'm not concerned, but I I, I am concerned about the Knox County game on Tuesday. That's a huge one. I think it, I think if we win that, then I think we have a oh, we have a cracking chance mm. to 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 qual um, to qualify for the playoffs, and that that's the goal for the season, wasn't it? Really? Exactly. Exactly. I mean, that's our game in hand. And yeah. I know this is stupid because Saturday's games come in between. But if we imagine that we had our game of hand now, if we beat Notts County, we will take them and we go into fifth. Uh, yeah. If we draw against Notts County, we go we jump into sixth. So we are in a good position. And the other good thing to say is that apart from the top four, who I think are out of reach, I think we'll get into that in a minute. We've got the best goal difference thanks to our recent surge of 4 0 and 3 0 wins. So, Brilliant. I was it not so long ago, we had like we seem to have worse goal difference than, than most of the teams around us, but we're now 11 better than Bromley, who are one place above us. We're 14 better than Eastley, who are one place below us. We're 16 better than Dagenham, who are two places below us. You know, we've got and we're only one worse than Hartlepool, who were the who are fourth. I think they're out of reach. It might might not be. I probably are. But yeah, we're in a better position than ninth would suggest. I would argue. Yeah, yeah, we're we're in a good position. It just shows how competitive the national league is. Mm. Um, for me, a lot of people say, "Oh, the championship's the hardest league to get out of in the English tier system." I I would argue that the national league is really with just the two play uh, the two promotions and the playoff being so dense and so so stacked full of decent sides. It's been a cracking one for the neutral. Um, but yeah, we need to keep on playing the way we're playing, defensively solid and nicking goals and scoring goals like we have been. Yeah, and the f- I know it sounds odd, but in some ways I'm happier when we're away than when we're at home as well. Yeah. Because you know, we really have been fluid in attacking in away games, scoring a lot of goals in recent weeks. So I'm not totally scared. I'd rather come top, you know, second or third, but that's that's gone now. Um, yeah. But failing that, I'm not too scared at playing an away game at some point because we we have we did win four 0 at Halifax after all, and so I, yeah, I'm not too worried by that. I think when you look at the games, I mean, Bournemouth Wood coming up next is interesting. And yeah. uh, what's their attitude? I mean, I, I, they've got four games left. The most points they can get is 64, and the playoff at the moment seven places is 62. So although technically they could make it. In truth, they're not. I just hope yeah. they've given up a little bit. I think that would be nice for us if they're uh, just not quite motivated enough. But the thing is, these are just these are football teams. They just want to win as many games mm. as possible. It doesn't matter who they're playing. Yeah. They just want to be as high, high as possible so they can build on for next season as well. Yeah, uh, but it's, yeah. it, it, it could be a potential banana skin. They're a good side. But I think mm. if we keep on with our strong defensive shape, I can't see why we can't win. And I think we can still afford a draw and get into the playoffs too. Yeah. I, I, the way I look at these fixtures, I think that roughly 
I think two wins out of four will probably get us in the playoffs and three out of four almost certainly will. Yeah. Um, we've got Notts County after that, so these two games are massive tests. Yeah. Then we've got Kings Lynn at home, which on paper we really should be winning. And then that last game of the season is really intriguing to me, Dagenham away. Dagenham, until Tuesday night, were on a run of six wins in a row, absolutely flying. That run ended on Tuesday night, but to be fair, only because they drew away at Stockport, who were third. So a superb yeah. performance by them. Uh, they are in wonderful form. Their three remaining games are horrible. And they are playing catch-up. They're five get points behind us. So it's a long shot. But I should point out that, okay, <laughs> those horrible fixtures make you think they're not going to, you know, they'd have to win all of them and they're not going to. But goodness me, it's a chance for them to nick points off everyone above them. Halifax, Chesterfield yeah. and us. And what I'm hoping is that they go for it against Halifax and Chesterfield, succeed, chip some points off them for us. But they still can't go up on the last day, which means they've not got much to play for against us when there's fans in the ground as well, which could lift them. So I, I yeah. do hope that they are... Um, I hope they're out of the promotion chase, having done damage to Halifax and Chesterfield by the last game of the season, I think, to be honest. And, and hopefully Rex were just high and dry at that point and we've won yeah. three games on the bounce and we've, we we can just rest and play, rotate the squad and hopefully we've co- we've confirmed it by then because... I think if we get two, if we if we get two wins on the bounce now, as we said, I think we've pretty much got the playoffs, haven't we? Especially because we're playing Notts County, but that's a huge game next Tuesday for us. It's it's absolutely massive. Oh, huge, isn't it? I mean, even before then as well. You know, we've got a tough test. Bromley are away to Notts County, so that's an interesting yeah. one. Two teams that are, you know are well above us, so some teams will be dropping points at least. Um, Bar- Eastleigh at home to Barnet they'll have a problem with that Halifax yeah. are away to Dagenham that's nasty so there's some quite tough matches for the teams above us that's what I mean I wasn't too worried about Tuesday on Saturday teams above us have got to drop points some of them are playing against each yeah. other and there, so if we can get a good result and then get a good result in Notts County like you say those two games could put us with a one foot very firmly in the playoffs oh, 100% and for me as well, it's, it's, we've got to focus on ourselves because I think throughout the season, when we're playing at our best, we can beat the top sides. And yeah. especially if we get into the playoffs, I don't think Wrexham are a side you want to play against, mm. uh, especially if the crowd are in. Well, that's, that, yeah, that's something we'll pick up in a moment, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I know lots of people have been saying they wouldn't want us to play Stockport or Chesterfield, and, and I understand that. Um, but when we are clicking, you know, Halifax would be thinking they don't want to play us. Let's be honest. Yeah. But on the Stockport thing, do you remember the season where we almost went up and got to the final? We played Kidderminster, didn't we? And yeah. they smashed us twice that season in the playoffs. We yeah. beat them twice, quite comfortably as well, on both home and away legs. So when it comes to the playoffs, it's a completely different ball game. So especially now with a new format, it's it's like one, it's a one hit, isn't it? Exactly, exactly. Um, I. I think it's an extremely long shot, but I think we, if we really nail it, we could come fourth. It's not likely. Uh, the reason I'm saying that is that full points for us would put us on 73. Sockport, Hartlepool are fourth. They've got three games left. One of them is away to Sutton, so that's going to be tough. But yeah. the other two look, well, Weymouth at home, surely they'll win, which will put them on 73. 
so they'd probably have to lose that older shot. We'd have a better goal difference than them should it go that way because we we only won behind them now. We'd have won four, they'd have won one. But in a way, that doesn't matter that much. Five's realist, fifth's realistic, and fourth or fifth will be in a way semi-final. So in many ways, it doesn't really matter that we can't get in the top yeah. three. Well, so straight us, we could, but you know, sort of strip mathematically speaking. But in in truth, we we're not. It's not going to happen, three. is it? It's not no. not possible. So um, yeah, interesting that Bromley and Notts County have both got three games left, and they both and two of them are against each other. That's be mental. Nice if, yeah. Be nice <laughs> if both home teams won, or if all both games were draws, and then they'll Even all be dropping marks. Want the points? Yeah. Interesting. With our quality, I can't see why we can't. But you know, at times this season we have lost silly games. So yeah. if if we switch off, then we could lose against the Kingsland. You know, anyone yeah, could be yeah, anyone yeah. in this league. So yeah, yeah but I, I don't like saying this, but I'm reasonably confident that we can make the playoffs. Mm. I'd be disappointed think, if we didn't. I gotta be honest. Yeah. yeah, I think this season would be looked at as a a little bit of a failure if we didn't get into the playoffs, really, because we've we've had a lot of missed opportunities and thrown a lot of games away. So, yeah, I think we can. I, I, I believe in us. Yeah, absolutely. Nice one. But will we be joined by fans? That's the question. We'll have a little chat about that after this. Jordan Pondicelli, and you're listening to the Dragon Art Radio Show. Yeah, so... <laughs> Playoffs, hopefully, on the agenda. But would there be fans in the race course if we played in the playoffs? The Welsh government has published a series of nine test events that will be taking place over the next few weeks in Wales to see how we can come out of COVID restrictions. And the furthest north is in Fishguard, which has grabbed quite a few of our people's attentions. Uh, Spencer Harris tweeted very articulately about this, saying how it shows the importance of having a cop stand because they clearly have looked at the North Wales and thought, no thanks. But I've got to say, Jay, just from a, a fairness point of view, Swans are in the playoffs, they will have fans in their ground. Newport yeah. are in the playoffs, they will have fans in their ground. As things stand, we're not having fans in our grounds. That seems a bit odd to me. Well, they they could give us the King's Lane game, couldn't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which could be crucial. Yeah, which could be crucial, and it, it'd be fantastic and such a you know a buzz for people around this area to be able to go to the pub and go to watch a football match. How fantastic mm. would that be for the local community and guarantee it? Not just oh, if you get into the playoffs, you, you might have a crowds there, and you'd be like, no. You can have a you can have a tester event at Kings Lynn. You can be the North Tester event. Yeah. Why not? And especially because Wrexham have voted Labour, be a nice uh, return, wouldn't it, for people voting that 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 way? We'd like to think that, but maybe the fact that we didn't return a Labour MP is we're getting punished for it. I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. <laughs> but certainly, it, I mean, I, I just hope that what's going on here is that it's not being publicised. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, they're saying, well, if we get in the playoffs, we will let you, uh, you know, sort of have fans in for the, a playoff. But but as things stands, we're not going to have a home play. Well, we could have a home playoff in the quarterfinals, but I hope we don't. I hope we finish top five and skip that stage. So 
I don't know. It does seem a bit odd to me. But they could even have the Notts County game as the test of one. Yeah, I, I <laughs> yeah. mean... But sorry, go on. You know, we've got... Is it 10,000 without the cop? Is it 10,000 seater without the cop? Um, a bit less. Oh, well, oh yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. About 9,000. Yeah. So you could socially distance 1,000 people or 1,500 people quite easily. Yes. Yeah, and then you look at Newport's ground, it's tiny compared to Wrexham's, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So if they can socially distance there and have a test event, why not have a so- test event in Wrexham? I just don't understand. Yeah, exactly. Um, I-, I find it a bit peculiar. I've also got to say that last season, despite Newport being in a higher division than us, we had, uh, by 230 fans, a bigger average attendance. So, in terms of fairness, maybe we deserve that opportunity. Uh, I, I, I just don't quite work out the agenda behind nothing being in the north. I mean, you've got a theatre in Brecon holding yeah. an event. There are theatres in the north. Quite did though. Yeah, yeah. Mould. Uh, uh, it may yeah. be that nobody has stepped forward in the north and said we want to hold a theatrical event, but we know Wrexham Football Club have been preparing since at least Christmas for the possibility of fans being allowed back in. We would definitely, and have publicly said we were interested. Just find it odd. Um, Leslie Griffiths did put out a tweet which sort of implied they might be looking for. Maybe we might be. Maybe we should, you know, be patient. So hopefully she is working at this. But like I said, that Kings Lynn game might be our last home game. So if they're trying to say, oh, well, just like Newport and Swansea, if you get in the playoffs, we could have a home game. Well, it might well be. You know, if things go according to plan, we will have an away playoff and then at Wembley. So not, not, not much help there. It kind of feels like, maybe it's not this, and maybe I'm jumping the gun, but it kind of feels like a north-south bias, oh. doesn't it? Because... You know, the Newport game's confirmed, the Swansea game's confirmed. Our literal only confirmed home game where they could get it logistically right is the Kings Lynn game, so why aren't they just piloting it? I'd, it ba- it's absolutely baffling, honestly. I'm just thinking then, can I just double-check as well? I mean, I, I'm inclined to see it the same way. Yes, the only uh, possible pilot event that fits in the time frame would be Kings Lynn. But having said that, I mean, the Notts County game is on the 18th. That's the same night as the Newport game. So, <laughs> yeah. Why not? Um, yeah. In fact, looking at this list, the first event is in Cardiff and will be this weekend. The next one is also in Cardiff this weekend. There's a business event in Newport, and that is next Thursday. The Swansea game is, is is a weekend after next, okay, fair enough. The theatre is in June, uh, the rest are in June. But the fact of the matter is that there's stuff happening this weekend as test events. Like I said, I know Wrexham have put in place uh, strategies. I know Wrexham are prepared. And if Newport, I, I mean, sorry Newport if you're listening, but if Newport can get themselves ready, I suspect Wrexham could have done. Yeah. You know, yeah. I think there's a bit more... Well, I don't want to be funny about that, but I was quite sure. So I, I'm know, sad by that because that Notts County game is going to be massive, as as we said in the last segment. Well, it's going to be... Well, it's going to be the biggest game of the season, isn't it? Especially, say, if we don't get a win on Saturday, mm. if we lose to Notts County, it could be our season over. Or if we yeah. win on Saturday and we beat Notts County, it could be the big yay, couldn't it, as well? Yeah. That we're 
could be potentially going into the playoffs. So uh, it's it's massive games. And but even then, if even if they couldn't get the logistics for that game, there's the Kings Lane game. So yeah. th- there's no excuses as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. All I can do it say is I hope Leslie Griffiths is working on it, yeah. and hopefully we do get to see fans back at the race course. Because there's, there's going to be a lot of players who've not played in front of fans in, in the race course this season oh, who have worn yeah. a Wrexham shirt. Yeah, that's So it'd true. be lovely to yeah. see them hear that atmosphere. I hadn't thought of that. The majority of the current team have never yeah. played in front of Wrexham fans for Wrexham. Um, yeah. I think also, you know, is, surely isn't there some element of, uh, maybe this isn't quite the right word, but reward for people for going through lockdown that some at least get an opportunity to go and, and see something? Well, and you've yeah. got loads of them in Cardiff, <laughs> four of them in Cardiff. Yeah. I mean, really, I find that a bit difficult to stomach. And I know you were very diplomatic talking about maybe you felt bad saying it was a north-south divide. Well, I'll tell you what, I don't feel so bad saying it. It's a blatant biased decision. Um, it's, 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 I think, based at least in part as well as prejudice on, you know, South Wales politicians, and let's be honest, every politician is a South Wales politician in that they're based in Cardiff, uh, yeah. working connections and favours for friends who happen to be South Walesian. You know what I mean? You're going to have more connections around where you work than where you don't work. And not only that, oh, I, I, this is where I'm being bad-minded, and I think maybe I am being bad-minded, but still. Remember when we didn't get that money, when Sport England gave money to all yeah. the national league teams? Now, uh-huh. okay, we did get funding. And it was explained as an oversight. And, you know, I'm willing to buy that because, you know, it was an oversight by the National League and by the club as well, to be fair. So, okay, yeah. all right, I'm willing to accept the Welsh governments because they paid up, we're acting in good faith. But having said that, when you then look at this as well, you think, oh, hello, you've forgotten about us mm. again, have you? It's very easy to forget about us up here, isn't it? Yeah, and I, f- I think they're going to be soon... Want to get get up here when Rob and Ryan are walking around town, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, they're going to be wanting right. yeah, want to get in their mugs yeah. and the camera saying how great it is that these guys are coming to invest in Wrexham. Yeah. You know, re- you know what? Return it's... us the favour and just give us a game, give us a guaranteed yeah. game, and, and and everyone working at Wrexham will make sure it's safe as possible, and you know the 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 infection rate is is reasonably low at the moment. Give us a game, give something the fans to shout about. Well, like you said, you're saying about infection rates, but they've given no reason why. They've just they've just announced it as if, but this is what the Welsh Assembly do. This is what the Welsh government do. We govern South Wales. There's no there's no there's no attempts to say, oh, by the way, we've missed out. Mid- and that's in Mid Wales as well. There's nothing in Mid Wales. We oh, by the way, we've missed out Mid Wales and North Wales. But hey, look, there is a reason. No, it's just well, we, we don't worry about that. You know, we're just we're just covering the civilized bit of Wales, as far as we're concerned. I, I, I'm offended by it, to be honest. Um, if, as, if I was a politician, I would be aware of these issues, and they're aware of these issues. But they they decide that there's nothing to lose in in, in not bothering to address it. And can I say, you know, like I say, I'm a bad-minded bloke, so I'll put it out there. Shame these uh, elections weren't the day after Notts County game, isn't it? Because I yeah. think they might well have been very keen to get Wrexham's votes then. Yeah, but they've got yeah, it yeah. now, so they don't have to. They don't have to pander to us, do they? Yeah, mm. yeah. Hey ho, that, that's decades of decades of resentment that went into that rant. Don't you worry. But 
Oh, if they if they listen, which they're definitely not. Yeah. Come on, just give us a game. Let let us hear those songs sung by the yeah. fans in the stands, and let us get that push for promotion because it'll be huge for not just not just Wrexham, but for the whole of the country that we have all of our teams in the football league next season <laughs> or even the Premier League in Swansea's case. <laughs> so just, you know, get all of us playing in the football leagues. Give us a push. Give us a go. Let us have fans. And I tell you what, it'll make the difference. Well, says there's no better way to end a segment. You listening, Drakeford? Are you listening? <laughs> right. Let, let's move on to a less ranty subject, shall we? Because I was very fortunate to have a chat with, with a genuine hero of the club. Andy Thackeray made nearly 200 appearances for Exum in the late 80s and early 90s. But that's just scratching the, the surface of, of the way that he contributed to us. So have a listen to him and you'll, you'll enjoy, I'm sure, some of his fun stories, including you'll find out who is the Lord Mayor of Wrexham. I'm Fiacre Kelleher, and you're listening to Dragon Heart Radio Show. Andy, thank you so much for joining me. I, I've got to say, it's a, it's a pleasure to speak to you. And, and you, I've got to say, I, I, I would argue you had one of the most interesting Wrexham careers I've seen. You were across a lot of positions. You, you had a heck of a lot of varied experiences as well. Yeah, it was, is that you saying jack of all trades, master of none? I'm, I'm saying master of all trades. Don't worry. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think, um, I think I knew my limitations, and I knew that if I worked extremely hard, uh, both in training and in matches, I think people always appreciate that, and that's both players, managers, and hopefully supporters. So, so yeah, I um, I loved my four seasons there. Um, a fantastic place to live. I bought my first house in Wrexham. Uh, then moved back to Huddersfield and travelled in with a few of the older players. But it was just um, it was just a great four years of my life. So, you know, I'm fondly remembered. You, you had a, a strange sort of start to your career anyway with that, because you got to the FA Youth Cup final in Man City. And then, well, I mean, what happened to you in that two legs of that final? Was, it's a pretty crazy story, I think, isn't it? Yeah, really crazy. I mean, the... We got through, we, we were a very good team. We played Manchester United and unfortunately I had a little bust up uh, just before half time in the first leg at Old Trafford and me and a young lad called Aidan Murphy got sent off. Um, the second leg was only a few days later and we presumed we couldn't play in the second leg. The FA gave us the all clear to play. Um, the kickoff was delayed. There were so many fans turned up. I think there was over 20-odd thousand fans turned up at Main Road. And we went on and won the FA Youth Cup, which was brilliant for an 18-year-old. Yeah. Unfortunately, just as I'm about to go up the steps with all my teammates to receive the trophy, this big lumbering official, FA official, with a big, you know, grey suit on and FA badge said, I'm sorry, you can't go up and, and get your trophy. Uh, so I had to stay on the pitch while all my teammates went up, collected the trophy, showed it to the fans and... Uh, yeah, strange, strange day, strange evening, but a fantastic memory all the same. Oh, absolutely. You, you, you moved on then to Newport, um, yeah. which was maybe unfortunate timing for you because they had financial issues which maybe hadn't come to the surface then. Yeah. And so, although you did well for them, I mean, you did well against us in the Welsh Cup for them, for example. But, but That's right. that, that wasn't really... Well, Newport, were the, the club were just not in a position to keep going, were they? No, I... 
and obviously I came from Manchester City, I came to my hometown club, Huddersfield. Um, I stayed, I just got in the first team at Huddersfield and they were in the old Division 2, the Championship now, and there were four or five places off the bottom. I made my league debut, played a couple of games, did okay playing right wing, and the then manager got sacked, Mick Buxton, and Steve Smith took over, who, for whatever reason, there was a couple of us got in the first team, young lads, he said he didn't think they could get out of that precarious position at the bottom of the Division 2, as it was, with youngsters. Uh, being headstrong, 18-year-old, I decided to go to Newport on deadline transfer day, which was a big upheaval, but in hindsight, wrong club at the wrong time, just because of the financial difficulties, but brilliant because I was playing against men and as you know with today's football as an 18 year old some don't play football till the 22 20 23 against experienced professionals so by the time you know I'd, I'd left Newport and come to Wrexham I had you know 50 60 senior games under my belt as a as an 18 19 year old boy which was great you know and I loved it and I, I loved every game I played to be honest. And then you came to Wrexham uh, alongside Graham Cooper and Nigel Beaumont came in the same summer. And right. you, uh, well, I mean, we got off to a, a flying start. Right? You know, Cooper scoring, Exeter scoring two games in a row and beating, you know, spectacular goals as well. And it must have yeah. been nice you getting a you getting a, a chance to start the season centre mid where I think you wanted to be. And yeah. actually, you know, sort of the momentum yeah. was great. I mean, just coming to Wrexham at the time, I think... There was a lot of experience there at the time. You know, you had your Jeff Hunters, John Bodens, Mike Carters, Ollie Kearns. Um, and you couldn't see what was coming. You know, the youngsters that were going to come through, you couldn't see that coming. And the, the I mean, Dixie was so passionate about football and he's passionate about Wrexham. Um, and, he, he, you know, it was great to play with. He let you play with the freedom. I think that's how he played his football. Dixie, didn't he? He played with the freedom. And you could just sense that the whole club had, you know, a passion about it. And just going off that a little bit, I, I brought my sons up. We were over in Chester one day and I, I just drove across with my two boys at the time. We were sort of 13, 12 and nine. And I managed to get in the ground. I think somebody let me in and I showed them the ground and they were like, wow, this, you played here. Yeah, because yeah. I think that's the effect that the race course has on, you know, lots and lots of people. So, yeah, it's um, it was lovely to play there. You're playing in a big stadium, you're playing in an international stadium. You know, you're learning about life as well. You know, I was living on my own. Bought my house as I say in Ponky. Um, didn't know the area, bought a, a little house in Ponky, and just thoroughly enjoyed everything about it. Yeah, it was great. Um, you you soon found yourself being used in a few positions, like we alluded to earlier, though, didn't you? You were yeah. filling in full back, uh, both sides, yeah. I think, full back, if I remember correctly, and then you yeah. play right hand side midfield as well, like across midfield. Um, yeah. You know, it was. Is that great because you get in games because you're versatile or frustrating because you'd really rather be in the middle of it? No, I think I think like most youngsters, when I was came through the youth ranks and things, I was a frustrated forward. I played forward like you do because you've got a bit of ability when you're playing on your around your own area. I'd scored lots of goals, and you always think you're going to be a forward, don't you? But realistically, you, you know, you see proper forwards when you come into football clubs and professional football clubs and, and you work with them and you realise they've got a natural instinct. You know, I mean, one of the, the you know best players I ever played with was Kevin Russell, you know, and yeah. you see what a forward really does. So, 
natural, naturally gravitating towards the back, I think, is uh, probably the best way that I went, to be honest. That's, that's what you do, don't you? you know, I think that's a, that's, that was me. I was always a team player. I mean, all, all the games I played in my career, I played all over the place. So, you know, you just hope that you're appreciated wherever you play. And, um, yeah, no problems. No problems playing for anybody. You, you know, you, you're getting paid to play football and do something you love doing so if someone asks you to do something you do it don't you you know that's that's the whole part of it and we got to the playoffs that year of course the game against Scunthorpe was memorable yeah disappointing obviously mm. the end you know and um and the club I mean when you see when you see the race course full like it was in yeah. some of those mm. games you know it puts a whole new perspective on you know at the time we were struggling a little bit where we were, had you know one two three thousand and then suddenly you see eight nine ten thousand there and it, it does make a massive difference to to how you perceive where you're playing and um and yeah and i think that first season if i will a big shout out because steve buxton neil salatio were were pros at the senior pros at the time and they they really helped myself settling and also um, Joanne, my, my partner then, who was my wife, my wife now, um, you know, coming across on a weekend, she came across to watch the games and the, all the wives, girlfriends always made her feel really welcome. So, as I said, especially Steve and Neil, they were, they were fantastic and fantastic Wrexham men, I think, as you all yeah. appreciate. Oh, absolutely. And then the next season was when, frankly, you joined the ranks of fantastic Wrexham men because you saved us <laughs> from dropping into the conference. I mean, that, that was a, a, a traumatic season, really, for a lot of it. It was, it was a frightening season. And then it, it turned around with you, well, scoring six in nine and five yeah. goals, but yeah. the only goal of the game. So, I mean, were it not for that, we probably wouldn't have survived that season in the Football League. No, and I think, you, you know, as I say, if you've got people pulling in the right direction, which I think a lot of people were then at that time, it makes things a heck of a lot easier, you know. And whoever, it didn't matter, did it? When when a club's in that situation, you know now at Wrexham that, you know, the, being out of the football league for so long, it's so tough to get back in. And I think that, you know, as long as you've got a mindset and a spirit, which which the whole club had and the players, you know, it was just about getting out of that situation. And, and we did. And personally, yeah, it was a, a nice run for me and scoring a few goals. But that doesn't matter, does it, in the grand scheme of things? It's about keeping that league. It mattered to us, believe me. It's fantastic. Yeah. That's all <laughs> You're brilliant. The goal you is do, yeah, but you see, I, when I, you know, later on in my career, I went to Halifax and we won the conference and got back up into the Football League. And, you know, it's exactly the same. Um, now they've come back out again. You know, you can see the turmoil that goes around clubs, can't you? You know, and and and, and ultimately the supporters just love the clubs and mm. you don't want to see them going through that. Um, so, yeah, it's just it was just a, a tough time. But, you know, again, enjoyable because you're playing football. You know, I was saying to some of the uh, some people on, on the match that sat there, I was saying that for me, outside of strike actual specialist strikers, yeah. you're probably the I think the best finisher I've seen us have because that the consistency, especially in that spell. My picture yeah. of that spell of football is you driving down that right channel, comes to the edge yeah. of the area, bang, bottom corner, hard, keepers not got a chance. Yeah. Um, and although, like I said, I mean, to score the only goal in five one nils is incredibly valuable. Yeah. The other one in that sequence of six goals in nine games, 
was the second equaliser against Colchester. And that's one of the most memorable games I've ever seen, you know, to sort of relegation yeah. playoff with a with a huge gale pushing us forwards. I mean, that was yeah. unbelievable to watch. It was. And, you know, there's lots of circumstances in games that change games, isn't there? And, and I think scoring goals at crucial times gives everybody a lift. Uh, I mean, I think when... When we, when you score a goal, you, you know you, you you feel that elation. But when at that time I scored, like you say, five or six goals, and it had never happened to me before. And sometimes you don't quite you don't quite you know I, I'm not a Kevin Russell as I say, or you know you don't know how to celebrate sometimes, do you? But I think it was a bit of a turning point for the club, wasn't it? You know we we preserved our status and um, and the youth policy. Um, wow, what a youth policy you had at that time, you know. And you know you'll probably go on to that, but just some brilliant footballers for both Wrexham and higher up in the leagues yeah. came along and just did wonders for you. Well, yeah, that, that next season is a, a strange one, isn't it? Because, I mean, we finished bottom of the fourth division, but we knew there was no relegation. It certainly yeah. looked like Brian Flynn had made a conscious decision of, well, I can bring young lads in here to bring them through because there's no danger. Yeah. We had sort of some sort of weird highs. Uh, I mean, the European games, but because of that strange rule, uh, about non-Welsh players, you only got to play in the last Man United match out of That's the three right. games. And yeah, you played home yeah. away against Everton. That Everton home game, right. I always remember, as everyone was amused that weren't Wrexham fans that we lost 5-0 at home. But I seem to remember Neville Southall keeping them in that game. I thought that That's was, right. that yeah. was phenomenal right. in that game. Um, it, it, was, it was a weird sort of... And then, of course, you, you're still moving around a bit. And there'd been this strange thing about the transfer list as well, hadn't you, where, where you'd been sort of on and off that, I believe. Yeah, I think, I don't know, we, I think that was probably my versatility and playing, you know, not having a set position. Um, and I think maybe that, the third season was a little bit of a frustration there, you know, and that that maybe got to me at the time, in and out of the team and moving around. And it's probably the only time it did get to me. But, um, but as I say, things change, you knuckle down, you get on with it. And as I say, you, you know, you hold nothing. Managers like you in peers, don't they? If you're doing well there for them, and then they can just as easily wake up on a Sunday morning and not quite like you for the week after. So you know, there's there's no problems there with anything. And as I say, it's just a matter of getting your head down when you do get a chance. It must be so annoying in Europe, you know, to not be able to play in those games because of these very harsh qualification rules. At least you got to play that Man United game at Wrexham, but how frustrating, you know? I mean, we played at Old Trafford, you, you missed out as well on the, the going and playing on the continent when we beat that's the Danish team. Lincoln, Lincoln. that's right. Well, then, you know, Matt Satori played, I think, and Nigel Bowman. So, you know, other lads in my situation, you were just pleased for them, you know, John yeah. Bowden played. So, um, you know, it's just one of them things you've just got to, you know, and playing for, obviously I played for Newport, didn't I, in the Welsh Cup and we, we could have got into Europe and um, I got, we played in the Welsh Cup final and we drew 2-2 with Merthyr Tidville and then they beat us in the replay. I, I pulled my hamstring in the first leg and couldn't play in, and you think I've missed out on Europe there, you know, but there was no guarantee I'd have played anywhere, would they be an Englishman? So, um, so yeah, just um, great memories though. I mean, as I say, under the lights at Wrexham when there's, you know, all them fans there, both Man United, the big Arsenal game, you know, Everton's, you know, West Ham's, it's just, it's just a brilliant place to play football and, you know, there's just, just something about it. And I see, I watch on Twitter now and I see the supporters and they, you know, they drive past taking pictures of the floodlights when they're on, don't they, just That's to right. show, you know, 
it's this big beacon of light what's yeah. in Wrexham and it's great you know it's, it's lovely and it brings back lovely memories Oh, we've been proud of our massive floodlights, don't worry. Yeah. You are. Yeah. <laughs> um, and of course, Graham Cooper finding a, a sort of Welsh grandmother or something to let him play the games. That was, yeah. <laughs> that was classic. Was, I mean, there's, there's so many funny stuff. I mean, obviously, I came across Joey, Joey Jones a bit oh, yeah. more. And, and I think one, one of the pre-seasons we played in the friendly game down at Masters, didn't we? You know, we used to play when we had Masters sponsors. And obviously large amounts of beer were consumed after the game. We got on the coach coming back. Large amounts of beer were consumed on the coach coming back. And we were walking home. And I won't tell you who I was with, but I was with one other player and Joey Jones. And the other player, not me, decided <laughs> to uh, needed to relieve himself and have a wee. Well, as he was stood having a wee, this police car came flying along. And we were think I was thinking, oh, no, this is it. The police car wound his window down to a drunk Joey, myself, and one unnamed player, and said, Hi, Joey, do you want to home? <laughs> 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 me the Waited. Joey got in the car, very well inebriated, and got a lift up from the oh. local and we were, <laughs> I thought we were in serious trouble. Because, uh, so, but yeah, it's uh, fun memories, yeah, as I say. Hang on, you and the other guy didn't get a lift home, though. We didn't get a lift oh. home, Joe. Joey got uh, the Lord Mayor of Red got a lift home. <laughs> oh, shocking, that is. <laughs> <laughs> well, the next season, of course, I mean, well, I mean, remarkable, was I mean, for a start, you were ever present uh, throughout yeah. that se season. And an incredible season in so many ways, but of course, the, the most important elements people remember, the cup run. Um, yeah. My recollection is that Winsford and Telford gave us proper tough games in those first, you know, we could have not got to that Arsenal game, but we did get to the Arsenal game. And, and of course, we had, we had no chance, did we? <laughs> no, I mean, I think the Telford game, I remember that, you know, and you thought, Oof, you know, are we going to get through this at the time? We were really under the cosh. Um, and, and as you say, you came through it. But then I think that the resurgence of the whole club, it made... Made the young players, didn't it? Phil Hardy, Gareth Owen, mm. um, Lee Jones. Yeah, it yeah. made them a focus for you know for what what we you were to become for the next you know five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years. Gareth Owen, sorry, I forgot some F. Gareth, yeah. Steve Watkins. Yeah. Well, I could go on. Cal go on about yeah. Cal Connolly. You yeah. just you know Cal Connolly turning up. I played in his first game on the race course when I think we were just having a. It was a friendly game, and his family were all in the turf. And he'd just come over from Liverpool and he had about 10 of his family and friends there cheering him on, you know. And you just saw within half an hour of his first friendly game for Wrexham that he was just fantastic, you know. So, yeah, all these players surrounded with good experience, you know. You, um, Gordon Davis, you yeah. know, Brian, obviously Brian Flynn, um, Joey himself, you know. And yeah. I, I just look back on the whole time there when I, I noted it down here and you think, I played with Alan Kennedy, I played with Joey Jones, I played with Mickey Thomas, I played with Gordon Davis, you know, Peter Barnes, all yeah, these yeah. players came to play for Wrexham yeah. and you see them all on highlights now, you know, on the television. You think, well, you know, didn't have to do bad there. It was quite, you know, quite an experience. Well, I found this rooting around in my house. You played with Peter Barnes, a footballer yeah. who's got a game. 
mean, yeah, that's you, quite something now, right, isn't it? So, you, yeah. go. you know you've made like, it if you if you got rid of stuff like that. Oh, yeah, right. exciting. exciting travel game for two players. You could play it on the, the coach down to West Ham for the first match, couldn't you? you know? Right, could do, yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. I, I mean, that Arsenal game, though, I mean, going into a game like that, is the attitude like, well, we'll just give it a go? Or, or is it, well, I don't know, do you... Do you how do you prepare for a game like that when they are obviously the best team in the country or had been the season before? I think you do, yeah. I think you just, you know, you just want to enjoy the moment and you want to enjoy the whole thing because realistically you aren't going to win. Yeah. Um, but then suddenly you find, the, you know, you're clinging on to games, it gets to half time and your manager and your coaches are telling you, look, you know, just sit in, cling in there, stay there, keep doing the right things and you never know. And... You never know happened, didn't it? You yeah, know? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But, and it goes, you know, the the goal from Mickey. I mean, it, you know, you can, you know, you close your eyes at night dreaming about it. And you wake yeah. up in the morning, still on your mate. Was that good, wasn't it? You oh, know, it was just, yeah. um, you know, just as a footballer to be involved in something like that and to see. I mean, it wasn't, you know, if it would have been scrappy and mm. the goals would have been scrappy, you'd have thought, but two brilliantly executed goals to win the game, you know, and that's what probably makes it more special, you know. Yeah, yeah. And for the Steve Walker and the local lad to get the winner as well is is, is a sort of fairy tale element as well, isn't it, really? It is, yeah. it is. And, you you know, you watch the game back and you see, you know, they had they had lots of pressure first half, didn't they, you know, and probably could have got two, three, four. Um, but then, you know, I think we, I think, there were one or two battles won towards, you know, the middle of the second half and towards the end of the game. And, and Arsenal didn't really like it, did they? Yeah. Uh, and I think I think everybody stood up. And then, as you said, when, you know, when he scored that goal, um, I remember Wayne Phillips running off just with a just strange look on his face, you know. <laughs> you think, wow, what's happened here? And, you know, and the joy then again at the end, you know. The, I always used to yeah. go across, there's a couple of disabled supporters used to sit on the far side and they were, you know, in tears and, you know, you're thinking, wow, you know, this is a moment. It was brilliant. Brilliant. It it always strikes me as a bit of a psychological game, that one, in a sense, like you say, that Arsenal were better in the first half, but we dug in. And then by half-time, I felt there was a sense, like I say, with Wrexham of, well, we've we've, we've earned our rights, we're still in this match. And of Arsenal, I felt like they came out in the second half a little bit, well, we're much better. We're all right. We're in control of this. But one nil's never in control. And then once things started to go wrong for them, because I guess the second half, we were terrific. Um, we were, yeah. I mean, the second, once the goal goes in, and they've lost control of the game before then, really, I, I would argue. Right, yeah. It just looks like their heads go a bit. I mean, I, I, the thing that sticks in my head, as much as the goals in a way, is Roe Castle, a wonderful player, just getting the yeah. ball in the centre circle in loads of space and just pinging it out for a throw-in on the full, pass yes, right. to nobody. It's just like they, they looked, they just were like, this isn't supposed to happen. And they, they seem to go into panic mode. And then the second goal, it's That's them. right. It felt like, did it feel like that on the pitch? Or do you just have to win your individual battles and, and play it, you know, moment by moment? It did, yeah, because I remember when, when they scored first half and Paul Merson was playing on the left. Mm. And he, he never touched the ball with his left foot. He played on the left and he, he did this dribble with his right foot, one from a halfway line. And you're thinking, I can tackle him here. I can tackle him. But you couldn't get near to his right foot. No, no. What's that? Then, you know, and he went round me, and I think he went round Mark Satori and crossed the ball. And you think, you know, no. But but then 
our second half, we, we, we made a conscious effort to get closer to them. And I think I upset him a little bit, Paul Merson, because, you know, a wonderful player, but, you know, he came up and fronted me up and wanted to stick his head in my face and things. And and then you think, hmm, they're under a bit of pressure here, you know. Yeah. And, and like you said, you know, mistakes they were making mm. were not really what they used to making, are they? And you could see the tension grow. Yeah. Uh, they were appealing for free kicks, weren't they? I think David O'Leary made a couple of, gave a couple of free kicks away. And they were like, hmm, this is not quite right, this. So, uh, yeah, brilliant, as I said, brilliant, well, great memory. Uh, the heart's beating just hearing it. You know what I mean? I feel, I feel like I'm living it again, absolutely. And then it goes to West Ham game. Um, yeah. And that was, oh, there are so many iconic moments in that. I mean, we, we had a terrible away record. And then we've gone there and done that to them. Um, that. It was fantastic, wasn't it, really? I mean, brilliant. Yeah, and from, on a personal level, I think looking at looking at that, when, when we ran out and there was, what, 6,000 Wrexham fans there behind that goal, you know, I'd, I'd never experienced that really. You know, and probably most of the lads hadn't done, you know, that there was 6,000 away fans there. And I think for the whole 90 minutes, 90 plus minutes, they were just magnificent. And then you see... You know, when Lee Jones went through and scored that goal, you were like, yeah. you know. Um, and I think uh, Wayne Phillips got a lucky deflection, didn't he? You know, that I think came off his shoulder and it just transpired. It's just a shame that we didn't go through that second leg because we did all right in the second, uh, in the replay. We did all right in that one, didn't we? Just that big six foot seven centre half got that header at the foul yeah. post. Foster. Which, yeah, yeah. That, right, which, and then, um, yeah. And then it goes the red card call, the 10 breaker. Fouling Carl yeah. Connolly, which is about as obvious a, a professional foul as you, you want to be able to see, really. You know, that's right. Yeah, and the game, you know, the game turned on it on its head, but I think it 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 showed it it showed a pride that the, the club got back a little bit of pride there, didn't it? And I think you know, it's just um, I think people appreciated the club then again, didn't they? Because yeah. as I say, it'd been a tough time. But I think they appreciated the young lads for what they were then, um, which was young men developing into you know proper football players, and uh, yeah, it was fantastic. And you've articulated beautifully there how you know the club can mean so much to local people, uh, yeah. And and but also, I mean that that sort of success can have a much wider rippling effect. I mean, I, I was a I, I was a um, trainee teacher at the time in Liverpool. Yes, and so I mean Liverpool of all places, the yeah. kids were all bothering me. Can you can you get us a ticket for the replay, sir? Can you get us a ticket for the replay? <laughs> I mean they were desperate. Um, Arsenal's next game after play, losing to us was at Anfield in midweek, and yeah. the whole cops singing Wrexham, Wrexham. I mean, <laughs> it just shows yeah. how that's a that's a moment that will be shared worldwide forever. Is how football just affects well, everything, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it is. I mean, you know, you you look at look at the FA Cup now, and you see the third round coming up in January, and you know that you're going to see parts of the Wrexham game coming on. You know, for the two or three weeks, you know, in the run up to it. So, yeah, it does it? It gives you a little bit of a tingle, and to think that you're part of that is it's fantastic. I hope you're getting the royalties for that. Well, yeah, the club. I wish the club were getting the royalties for that. But I don't <laughs> think you need. I don't think you need it at the moment. Do you? No, the at the moment, we should be fine. Thanks. <laughs> you, know, you, you can have it. We're all right. Um, uh, and, and that season then became a building block for the next season where we got promoted. Uh, yeah. Money from the cup run letters, bringing players in like Mel Pedrick, Tony Humes, Mark Taylor. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you moved on to Rochdale in the summer, of course. So uh, I think that was, I'd, I'd won the, I think I won the player of the year, didn't I, that yeah, year? Yeah. And, and 
Brian Flynn offered me a one-year contract and I just I just wanted a bit more security of a yeah. two-year contract and there, there, there was no problems there Brian was fine yeah. and I knew um, Mick Doherty and Dave Sutton from Huddersfield when I was at Huddersfield and they wanted me to go to you know to Rochdale mm -hmm. um, I had you know another four or five great years there as well mm -hmm. um, again very versatile playing lots of positions so it just you know that's just what happened but as I say, four, four great years, I think 150-odd appearances for Wrexham, which, you know, you think, well, I didn't do too bad, did I? And, uh, and then hopefully they were appreciated by, you know, lots of, lots of the Wrexham fans. Oh, well, that is 100% the case. I can promise you that. And, and like yeah. I, I hope I expressed, uh, those goals you scored to save us from relegation, I mean, just that alone is enough to make you massively, massively appreciated by all yeah. of us. I've got to say, you said about 150 appearances, yeah. um, but you're doing yourself down a little bit. That's just in the league. Uh, right. But, uh, it's, it's always irked me. <laughs> I don't sound sad this, but you just yeah. fell short of 200 overall. 100 meters. Oh, right. okay. and, um, wow. You know, when you look okay. at the players who've made 200 appearances for us, you really are looking at the players who made a big contribution. And yes. as far as I'm concerned, you should be amongst those players because honestly, I can only on behalf of everyone thank you because your contributions to the club. Uh, yeah. if, if we'd gone down that year, I doubt we'd have had that side together to be able to take on Arsenal. So yeah. for all of that, and um, thank you so much from all of us, really. Thank you, Andy. I massively appreciate it. No, it is. It's brilliant. But I think you're probably, you've probably interviewed enough players and people around that you, you make a lot of acquaintances in football, but don't make a lot of friends. Mm -hmm. And but at Wrexham, you always felt you had friends, if you understand that, you know, it felt not just the players, but you felt that people genuinely wanted to, you know, make you feel welcome. And it was a friendly place. And then what more can you ask? You know, as I say, you, you, you're a young man getting paid to do, love, but you're also surrounded by people who love you doing what you love to do. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's great. Um, as talent wise, I think if I'd have been a yard quicker, um, I'd have probably gone on and played a lot more games maybe at a higher level but you can't you can't coach pace can you you've either got it or you haven't and it's you know no matter how much you try and you see you know you see superstars who've come through Wrexham Chris Armstrong you know who had blistering pace and went on to have you know a fantastic career but he you know he had that pace it was natural it was it was a raw talent that he had you know and, and seeing all them players you know Phil Arder, uh Gareth Owen you know obviously I follow all these and and you've watched them all and, and you just think they were they were great times, although unpredictable for the fans. Um, but characters like Nigel Bowman and, and Graham Cooper, who were like the terrible twins at, at that time. And Andy Priest, you know, came and played with Chris Armstrong up front. And, you know, just partnerships make things, don't they? You know, in, in all different areas of the pitch. And um, I remember once, I think, we were in the doldrums and... There was a half-time team talk. I can't remember which game it was, but I think we were losing 2-0. And Brian came in, Brian Flynn, and he said, he was fuming, and he said, what more do you want? He said, you've got an international striker, Kevin Reeves. You've got an international midfielder, me. He said, you've got an international defender, Joey Jones, in here. What more can we give you? And I remember Nigel Boyd, Bowman saying, we could do with international rescue under his breath. This was at half-time. Well, I've never seen Brian Flynn so small run across the dressing room and grab Nigel Bowman under the neck 
who was six foot four and built like a brick outhouse. And, you thought, <laughs> and it was just one of those moments where you think, have I just seen that happen? And did he really say that? But yeah, it was just, um, but they were international coaches, weren't they? That's what they were, you know, international players coaching us, you know, and um, yeah, just, just great times. And I think socially, the fans, the fans saw a lot of the players out at the time, didn't they? They don't do it now because of social media, and I and I respect and appreciate that. But I think there was there was always that after a game where you'd have them lads going out and having a drink and socialising, and you know, in the various pubs around Wrexham and enjoying it and enjoying the good times and the bad times. Probably, you probably got told a few home truths now and again, but you deserve that, don't you? If you're yeah. putting up, but but yeah, just um, just just good times, yeah. yeah. Amazing. Thank you so much for joining us, Andy. It really has been a pleasure to speak to you. It really has. Thank you. No problem. Can I, can I just wish everybody all the best before they run into the end of the season and hopefully a, you know, a, a good end to the season and get that promotion that you deserve. So good luck to everybody, players, supporters and officials of the club. Oh, thank you. That's brilliant. Thank you so much. Let's hope we can do it. I'm Riesel Johnson and you're listening to the Dragon Heart Radio Show. Andy Thackeray, what a gent, lovely fella, fascinating career and a, a striking player for us, Che. I mean, partly because he was the man marking Paul Merson when Wrexham beat Arsenal, that took full part in, in that. You know, you think about a career that ended for Wrexham. He plays in Europe as well, um, admittedly against Man United, who doesn't get to travel very far, but still, <laughs> plays against Man United. Uh, played League Cup games against Everton. And yeah, in, in some ways, despite that Arsenal game, there's something that he does that, for me, is absolutely massive and I think shows that sometimes it's just those little moments or those little spells where you can contribute so much to a club. The season when we're in danger of getting relegated into the National League in the late 80s, um, I, I've got to say, if it wasn't for him, we surely would have been relegated. He suddenly, and he was not... a he was a very good finisher, but he didn't actually score a huge amount of goals. But he scores six goals, as I said in the interview, in nine games, just when we look to be doomed. Six in nine. Um, wow. And not only that, five of them were one nils. So he his goal won all those matches. We talk about the value of Dior Angus's goals before compared to Adi Yusuf. And then the other goal was in the, the marvellous game that I'm, I know I've waffled on about at length and I will do more, I'm sure, when we played the other team in, in danger of getting relegated, Colchester, and fight back from behind twice to beat them. And that's a huge turning point. And he scored the second equaliser. If we'd lost that match, we'd have been eight points adrift with not many games left. Um, to have that scoring run just then and earn us all those points. I mean, you, you could argue just a, just a, just a five winning goals. He's going just 10 points there, turning five draws into wins. That's an amazing individual contribution. And he wasn't even a striker. Amazing. That's, that, that is amazing. I'm really looking forward to listening to the interview. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I mean, the fact of the matter is that we need some of that now, don't we? Yeah. We need Angus yeah. or Amatayo or Jordan, who, to be fair, has pretty much been doing that lately. Yeah. Um, to, to suddenly catch fire and just when the games matter, to start scoring winning goals and pushing us over the line. And that person will go down in folklore then, won't they? Go, I'm predicting Gold Amatayo, 90th minute, playoff final, 
bicycle kick from the halfway line, crossbar, yeah. and in. And then we've won. I'm picturing it now. What a beautiful force. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, Jay, I, I hope your skills as a prophet are as, as good as your skills as a podcaster. That's all I can say about that. Oh, thank you very much. And let's hope next week we're talking about two fantastic games where we're really pushing for playoffs. Absolutely. And let's hope that if goals can't score that amazing goal, It'll be a 45-yard rocket from Mr. Hollywood himself, Jay Harris. This is Jay Harris, and you're listening to Dragon Heart Radio. <laughs>